So the biggest problem that we see is that the business founder is always too involved in the day to day and they cannot really mm -hmm. find the time or the way out to start working on the business. You know, we have the saying that they work too much in the business rather than on the business. And what we yeah. mean is that, you know, as a founder, your your main role is obviously to talk with the clients, identify new revenue streams, identify new business opportunities. But as the business grow fast, and that's what we see always happening with digital marketing agencies, that the businesses grow really fast because there is a mm -hmm. lot of demand at this stage, you know, especially with the whole pandemic. Uh, more e-commerce businesses are, you know, going online and the sales are increasing. People are staying at home, etc. The demand for digital marketing agencies are also increasing. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we see that, uh, you know, the business founders basically just get trapped. And as they get trapped, a lot of different problems open up. You know, they, they start focusing a lot on the, let's say, front end, which is sales, marketing, etc. The operations get forgotten. So... The pursuit of, of excellence is something we're all striving towards. I want you to focus on what you do best. You need to have an approval. How many approvals? What are the steps? It's really about listening. If it's not documented, it's, it's not done. Thanks for tuning into In Systems We Trust, the show where we dive into all things systems and processes and hear from the professionals that are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. Today I'm talking with Erica Zed. Erica is the founder and remote operations expert, as well as a management consultant who helps remote companies build high-performing teams and operations. Welcome to the show today, Erica. How you doing? Hi, hi. Thank you for having me. I'm doing fantastic, actually. First of good. all, because so I came back to Europe and I'm back home, so I'm very, very good. Thank you. How are you, yeah, by the way? Yeah. I'm great. Yeah, the sun is shining, as you can see. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a great day checking off uh, things off the task list. So I'm feeling really, really good. Um, yeah, wh where were you? I was in Mexico. So I think we were in a similar time zone, mm. right? It's a EST. Yeah. And yeah. right now I'm back uh, in Lithuania. And it's seven hours uh, ahead of Mexico, ahead of EST time zone. So I'm kind of wrapping up my day already. Well, you're just starting, you, right? Yes, I am. And now, now you were in Mexico for, you know, work and pleasure, kind of living there for a little bit. And meanwhile, I'm up here in Canada. We're just starting our spring right now. And we have like minus yeah. one, plus one degrees right now. But, you know, you are living it up down there, you know, enjoying the nice weather, weren't you? Yes, yes. Actually, it was uh, fantastic weather. It was plus 30 degrees Celsius. I don't know if you guys use Celsius. You use Celsius too, right, in Canada. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's the same weather in Lithuania right now. It's like plus one, plus two degrees. Very nice okay. spring. Very happy to be back. You know, spring kind of makes you feel like the whole nature is waking up and you're like, ah, oh, motivated now to do things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, I was in Mexico just to change the environment, you know, with quarantine and all, all the things going on. You just wanted to take a break, go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I didn't stop working. I was still doing the work as usual. Yeah. The, obviously different times but uh, yeah just change of scenery perfect yeah tell us more about the work then like you're you're the founder at remote so if you can mm -hmm. kind of fill in the listeners on what remote is you know what industry you fall into who your customers and just give us some more background on what it is that you do day to day yeah of course so remote is a consulting agency we help uh, specifically digital agencies focusing on marketing or e-commerce we help them build 
powerhouse backend operations so they can mm. basically nail the scale as we say and uh, okay. we focus on four main areas so that would be talent acquisition and development remote uh, um, leadership and management goal setting and alignment and processes and communication so these are like the four main pillars that we focus on and obviously okay. out of that you know a lot of different top topics come out a lot of different problems that we solve uh, but it all ends up being the the backend operations that we really help businesses build. Do you exclusively uh, work with e-commerce businesses then, and like, and how did you arrive at that that niche or decide to focus there? Yeah, well, actually, not e-commerce businesses <clears throat> specifically, but mainly digital marketing agencies. Uh, okay. The main the main industry and the niche was digital agencies. But we've found the potential in the marketing specifically because, you know, um, there was a demand basically for the service. So a lot of marketing agencies reach out to us. Obviously, uh, these days uh, when it comes to marketing, the word of mouth spreads really fast. So we got a lot mm -hmm. of requests and, you know, we just spe basically specify in, in, in digital agencies slash digital marketing agencies. Okay. But yeah, with and some clients in the e-commerce and, you know, e-courses, etc. Got it. Okay. And what does your background look like? Do you come from the digital marketing space? Have you always been in operations? And can you kind of fill us in there on what that looked like? No, no, and no, <laughs> which is okay. very funny because um, my background is actually neuroscience, which is All so right. far from market. Well, it's not too far from marketing because it's psychology. It's, you know, thinking behind, like thinking process behind making a decision, etc. So, I was actually uh, studying neuroscience. After that, I went into project management in pharmaceutical and biotechnology companies. And then at some point I was like, I'm gonna create my own business. And in order to create a business, you need to really understand marketing. And this is one of the things you really need to nail before you actually do anything. So I just looked for opportunity. I got into a digital marketing agency in very early stages of development. We were actually four people okay. at that stage. So. I, I don't know, it was more like a, a hobby at that stage rather than an agency. And in a couple of years, we built that agency to almost 70 people. And 70 okay. people and yeah, 4 million in revenue. So that, uh, that was basically how I got into this uh, industry. Probably that's also partially why we as a remote, we focus uh, and work mainly with digital marketing companies. Okay. I, I want to ask how you did that. I mean, like you, you started working for this company. Sorry, you're working yeah. for the company. You, you didn't own it, correct? The Which one? one that that I was a partially a co-owner. Yes. Got it. Okay. I want to know mm -hmm. how you did that a little bit, right? Like, obviously, there was the marketing, you know, that was you yeah. know huge in the success of that. Then there's the operations. But yeah, there, there's a line on your website that said that in under two years, you're able to bring that business from, you know, zero annual revenue to four million. What did that process look like? How did you roadmap that? And how did you scale to, what was it, 70 people in that, in, in that yeah. amount of time? Well, a lot of lessons learned, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't an easy process. Uh, obviously, we always listen to the demands and what is happening at this stage. So we, you know, started bringing people on board. We realized that bringing people is not enough. You actually have to also develop processes. So we started developing processes. Then we realized that with processes is also not enough. You have to get alignment with the team. And then, at, you know, two years down the line, when everything seemed so smooth, you know, the processes are there. 
um, the team is there. We realize that one crucial piece is missing, which was there at the very beginning, but got lost somewhere in the fast growth, which is culture. Mm. So this is also something that, you know, you cannot just um, forget, uh, basically culture and good management. So, um, yeah, we, we, we learned a lot of things basically through, you know, less making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. Okay. And obviously meeting a lot leave? of great people. Yeah. Why yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I left because uh, I didn't leave fully. I'm still consulting them on, you know, it's it's hard to leave something where you feel like a family and you feel part of. Yeah. So I'm still consulting. I'm still there. But uh, my main focus right now is remote. Because obviously, as I said, you know, from the very beginning, my goal was to create my own business, not just for a sake of having a business, but because I know that this is something that I'm going to do in order to explore my full potential. And for me, I need challenges all the time. So, yeah, right. so that's basically I, I was I'm seeking challenges, in other words. That's great. Well, what does a typical week look like for you right now in your role at Remode? Mm -hmm. Um, it's obviously very different from the company that you came from. What, what are yeah. your responsibilities, would you say? What, what do you oversee um, at your company right now? And how do, how do your, I guess, your team members fit in? Because you, you have a partner as well, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I do have a partner, Leon. Yeah. So we actually, at Remote, um, with Leon specifically, we really focus on productivity. So it's really easy to describe my typical week. Monday and Wednesdays are usually for Remote for all the work related to remote marketing, sales, etc. Mm, Tuesdays, Thursdays okay. are for client work. So that's when we really have client calls, when we focus on delivering the best possible results, you know, basically providing services. And then Fridays yeah. are usually for self-development. So that's when we spend time reading, researching, talking, networking, you know, whatever that is. So my, that's how my typical week look like. And okay. um, yeah, and my role in the company is the chief operating officer, if you can call it, if, you know, if yeah. we kind of aim to label the things. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that you're still doing because it's a small company. It's still in early stages and you basically do everything from marketing to sales, to operations, to just the management. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to know what, what is your relationship with Leon look like in, in a in a business sense? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan of uh, Cameron Harold. He's the um, mm -hmm. host of um, the Second in Command podcast. And, you know, you being yeah. a COO is, you know, that's kind of his approach. And he's written several books, you know, Double Double and things on how to grow yeah. businesses. So how do you and Leon, you know, complement each other? Do you get in each other's ways? Do you have clear, you know, points where, you know, you take over and where you make decisions? Yeah. Or how, how have you structured that in, in your in your org chart yeah you know uh, we always say that this is a relationship and every relationship requires some work and it will always yeah. require some work as long as we you know stay together and um, actually this is something that we also teach at three mode is you know how to identify team strengths and weaknesses and that's uh, mm -hmm. leon and i are a good example uh, in this for example leon is huge visionary he is very futuristic right i'm on the other hand i'm an achiever uh, you know, maximizer, also futuristic, very competitive. So we yeah. know each other's strengths and weaknesses. So I know, for example, Leon doesn't like execution damage. Not that he doesn't like, but, you know, it's not his strength. And for me, on the other hand, it's, it's a bit harder sometimes to see the bigger picture. You know, it's harder to really see the opportunity when it presents itself. So that's why we that's where we really complement each other. And uh, overall, you know, the partnership is 
based on a lot of uncomfortable conversations that we have from time to time. And sure. those conversations is basically every time we have it, it's like a, it's like a turtle we have to uh, jump over. And, uh, you know, we just pass that stage and we move forward. And that's basically how we open the gates to every new growth stage. Okay. I can imagine, though, that, you know, conflict does come up from time to time, you know, yeah. in your processes, in your overlap and in your, you know, your own wheelhouse. Have you guys agreed how you, you know, handle conflict, right? Because you both have your strengths, you both have your yeah. your opportunities. You know, did you agree on those organically? Did it come up? Were there meetings? Were, were there, you know, um, you know, he heads coming together? Like, well, what does that look like? And how do you guys resolve your conflicts internally without well, revealing we, too much information? Yeah, we have this one rule. You don't go to sleep without resolving a conflict. Mm. Because, you know, yeah. if you go, if you go, if you go to bed without uh, without a headache, like with a headache, let's say, or with a problem that's still in your head and that's bugging you, there's a high chance that you're gonna start your morning the next morning also in a bad kind of place. So we always right. kind of solve the problem as it is. We use a lot of great tools, you know, like uh, for communication, like Slack, uh, Asana, and you, you know all of these things. Um, and mm -hmm. we use Marco Polo actually, which is very very handy. You know, you right. you can yeah, you have an app on your phone. And sometimes, yeah. you know, we go for a walk, for example, let's say, and we just leave Marco Polos to each other and we really solve the problems this way. You know, it's because we don't it. work in the office. We also remote and we mm -hmm. do get to see each other from time to time. But uh, it's still, yeah, remote work. And we just solve it on, I would say, on the, on the same day. Great approach. Um, I want to get to the clients now or, you know, mm -hmm. the, the prospects that you're working with what would you say that and this is a two-parter what would you say is you know the biggest problem that you find when you're coming into a digital marketing agency what are the problems you're solving what are the needs that you're filling for these agencies and then mm -hmm. the part two is what does a typical engagement look like as far okay. as approach process yeah. timeline can you speak a bit more to that yeah, sure. So the biggest problem that we see is that the business founder is always too involved in the day to day and they cannot really mm -hmm. find the time or the way out to start working on the business. You know, we have the saying that they work too much in the business rather than on the business. And what we yeah. mean is that, you know, as a founder, your your main role is obviously to talk with the clients, identify new revenue streams, identify new business opportunities. But as the business grow fast, and that's what we see always happening with digital marketing agencies, that the businesses grow really fast because there is a mm -hmm. lot of demand at this stage, you know, especially with the whole pandemic. Uh, more e-commerce businesses are, you know, going online and the sales are increasing. People are staying at home, etc. The demand for digital marketing agencies are also increasing. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we see that, uh, you know, the business founders basically just get trapped. And as they get trapped, a lot of different problems open up. You know, they, they start focusing a lot on the, let's say, front end, which is sales, marketing, etc. The operations get forgotten. So, so, yeah, so that's what we really try to solve with our clients right and that's what we solve with them uh, we mm -hmm. actually build them high uh, high performing backend operations and the okay. typical cooperation with the clients uh, it depends actually you know sometimes it's really uh, customized really uh, you know hands-on consulting sometimes it's yeah. uh, it's less engagement depends on how dedicated the founder is how much time they can dedicate on their end and do the work themselves uh, but usually it's um, 
it's yeah yeah usually it's uh consultations that we do with them can be weekly weekly calls but it can be workshops can be you know really us providing a lot of templates etc so yeah it depends on a on a case-by-case basis and i can assume that you know the level of execution would be different just depending on how big their teams are then yes yes exactly you know um for example we had the client that came to us when they were four people and uh, you know at that stage they really needed our help and they needed us to be really involved in execution too so we you know that was like tier one client for us but then we have clients that are like 10 15 people and they don't need us to execute that much so we do just weekly calls with them and you know we really provide the value uh, we, you know, provide all the homework, the guidance, etc., and they just do do their homework. We meet in the next session, we discuss, tackle another topic, and then, yeah, just roll with it. Right. I want to talk more about, you know, the owners that are spending too much time in the business, because I see that mm-hmm. all the time too, right? Typically, yeah. um, you know, businesses or, you know, um, agencies will, will just stay in that stream for a minute. They're, they're one of two people. They're natural born entrepreneurs and they're leading businesses and they're growing and they're scaling effectively. On the other side, and there's nothing wrong with this, but you know, they, they're typically freelancers. They start out you know, as specialists doing something yeah. that they know really, really well. And then they start you know, acquiring clients and you know, filling their pipeline and they naturally need to find yeah. other people to help them grow. And so there's this you know, kind of relationship with the work to the work I should say, where, you know, they don't want to let go or they know how to do it, you know, possibly better than the people that they're hiring and and they stay stuck in that. So how do you make that change? How do you communicate the need for that change um, in those cases with those agency owners where they need to remove themselves to grow the business? Is there any pushback there? Do you have struggles there? And how do you overcome that? To be honest, you know, that's not um, that's not something that we have to tell them that, you know, your job as a founder of the company is to actually work on the business. They already know that. That's the reason why they come to us. They come to us because they're like, okay, I'm spending too much time. I'm working 18 hours a day. That's not sustainable. The difficulty is that, you know, is basically letting go of control. Mm-hmm. How to do that? That's another topic. You know, it requires a lot of coaching. It requires a lot of, um, you know, practice as, as uh, weird as it sounds, but it does require some practice to actually start delegating the work to your people. And then, you know, mm-hmm. usually why you don't delegate is because you don't trust and why you don't trust because there's no good culture. So it comes back to, you know, okay, it's time to build a culture. And how do you do that? And, you know, it doesn't, it's not something that you build overnight. It's not something that you build in a month or two. It, it does take mm-hmm. time. Because the way you build culture is basically when you have different situations, when you solve those situations and you show your people how those situations should be solved and that you actually appreciate people and that you put people first and that you have values in the company and that you live by those values. So it's a, it, you know, it's a long process. Culture, I think, overall is a, a mix of um, not just culture itself, but also the management and leadership. And mm-hmm. yeah, based on that, you know, you just... You just build a culture where the trust is the foundation and with the trust you start delegating and then the founder is, is able to delegate tasks because they, they trust their people. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. I mean, like so many people forget or don't understand the fact that whether you think it or not, you do have a culture. The question yeah. is simply, is it a positive one or one that, you know, is negative and, you know, off-putting yeah. for people? So, yeah, exactly. really good point there. 
Um, yeah. I want to start talking about, you know, your process and how you um, walk people through um, an engagement and even what your systems look like a little bit. And so can you speak mm -hmm. more to the process? You, you come into these agencies there, let's say they're 10 to 15 people. Are you sitting yeah. with the CEO and the head of operations at that point and identifying the issues? Are you breaking out with the teams um, mm -hmm. to kind of identify those issues and then figure out a, a plan to move forward? What does that look yes. like for you guys? Yeah, so the first step actually for us is to do an audit. And this is, you know, basically us trying to understand where you currently are at with your business. The audit is usually done with the founder of the company. If there's a COO, then we do it with the COO too. And during this mm -hmm. audit, we ask like 40 different questions from four pillars that I mentioned earlier on. And yeah. uh, we basically try to understand where the business currently is, where they struggle, where they are strong at. And based on that, we build a three months roadmap with the things that, you know, needs to be worked on first because that's the low hanging fruits. And from there, it, you know, it depends. It might be a one on one calls. It can be workshops. It can be one on one calls with the team members. And um, yeah, the process, again, as I said, is customized. It varies. Sometimes, as I said, it's, it's just um, it's just weekly calls. But usually yeah. it's based on the topics that we get out of the audit. Right. Um, yep. Yeah, we have a similar process where we approach it mm -hmm. from an audit. We do um, typically takes a few hours, a couple of phone calls, and then we kind of take a look at the tech that they have behind yep. the scenes. And then we move into more of a deep dive once we have an understanding of where we're going. Yeah. In my yeah, experience, actually, I've... Mm -hmm. Go on. Yeah, and actually, I, want, I didn't mention that, you know, when we do this audit with the 40 questions, we also do a short audit with the team. We ask them certain okay. questions where they give a score and we, we know this is how we understand what the team motivation score is, which is also very important because, you know, this is the foundation for the whatever we're going to build. Um, right. But yeah, you probably do something similar too. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to what I was going to mm -hmm. say is that like after this audit, I mean, we typically find that there isn't a lot to audit. There isn't a, like they're at a point where they haven't, they know they have a need for process. They know they want yeah. to implement systems, but there isn't a lot to audit the questions. They don't know the answers to them. And so oftentimes, you know, we're kind of like pre-qualifying them through that audit process. Is mm -hmm. it the same at remote where you'd get through a process and say, it's too early, you know, you need to work on these things, come back to us in a year, or would you start with them from where they're at and work with them through that? that process of systematizing yeah. and optimizing their business? Well, we do have the pre-qualification questionnaire that we basically mm. it's not always filled out by them, but sometimes we just do that on during the call. We ask the questions yeah. and, um, you know, we, when we work with the businesses, we really make sure that they are ready to take this challenge because it is a challenge. You know, that's them gonna mm -hmm. stepping out out of the comfort zone and bas yeah. basically embracing for the growth that's about to happen. So um, we actually pre-qualify before we even go on audit. Audit is uh, not something that we sell for a sake of selling. It's actually, mm -hmm. we do it because it's needed in order for us to know what is the next thing we have to work on together. So usually yeah. when you do an audit, you know, at that stage, you know that uh, this is going to be a partnership. You're going to work together. There's potential. Now the question is, where do we start? So that's when we um, do the audit. Okay. And then you're bringing them into your framework so you know exactly yeah. where you're starting. Got it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. 
Awesome. Let's talk about process documentation, because with a lot of this, like it's you going in, doing the execution, but you have mm -hmm. a team that you're working around um, loosely. So what is the, the process of you documenting your um, SOPs look like around all your systems? So you, mm -hmm. you understand it. Leon understands it. How do you break that down to your team? What is that um, that process of documenting look like? Is there a culture? of you know inclusivity when it comes to um documenting those processes and who really leads all of that yeah. within yeah. within your company yeah well we don't really document in the way of you know old style written sops what we do okay. is every time we see that whatever we are doing is going to be done the second time we then basically templatize it. And you are very familiar with Asana, I know that. Uh, oh, yes. We actually do a lot of processes inside Asana. And uh, our, our way of documentation is either you write it down in Asana tasks and you build the whole process, mm -hmm. you know, step by step with the description yeah. in Asana, or we do Loom recordings. So that's the way okay. we SOP things. Uh, obviously, sometimes it does make sense to have a written format because you know things are changing fast and you want to update it easily but with recording it's a bit tricky because you have to re-record the, the whole thing um mm -hmm. so i would say that the doc um, you know the sop part looks like it's either asana in asana task or it's either looms loom, loom recordings and okay. who's in charge uh well i would say i'm taking i'm carrying the you know accountability here but then there are people okay. uh, who are responsible like executive assistant yeah operations manager etc Okay, yeah. I'm interested to hear how you actually document those SOPs because with within Asana and yeah, we know we we both love Asana. There's no secret there. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are two kind of approaches that will take it ditto. We either um, we like mm -hmm. to set up what we call the learning commons, and the, and the learning commons has a few different projects in it. So one is like the break yeah. room. So imagine if you were in a physical space, right? You have your mm -hmm. your policies on the wall, your times when the meetings are, information on the company. HR is over here. So we have that listed out in various boards. And then from there, mm -hmm. we have, you know, everything around the tech that we use as well. So if we're using Asana within that, we have various subtasks on the different um, areas that would be covered. So how we do project management, what our social calendar looks like, how we do client engagement within that, we do write them out. And typically it's a mix of written and then, you know, video recorded through Loom, yeah. same thing. Another approach is that we have um, for certain clients that are at a, a, a different level, like a, more of a tier one, um, we would have a, a larger SOP index where by admin, maybe, maybe by mm -hmm. billing and finance, client delivery, we have different sections. And then within that, it's all of our how-tos. And then those are multi-homed in most cases to um, the project templates or to, again, mm -hmm. the tech we use. And so that's how we really get around documenting, keeping it all in one place, because I really believe that the SOPs should live alongside the templates that are actionable. Yeah. So when your team is working through things, they have a quick reference right there. Is, is your approach similar? Like, how are you using the structure of Asana to really build those SOPs? What does that look like? Yeah, so for us, uh, for example, we let's say have clients templates, right? What, how we approach it, you know, for example, let's say there's a, there's a question how to onboard a client. So in, I understand in your case, probably you would write it down in an SOP, right? How to onboard yeah. a client and then you would just link it to the, to the certain SO, um, templates, Asana Template, templates. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what we do is we actually build the whole process in Asana of how to onboard a client with saying what needs to be done the first day, what needs to be done the second day, the third day, what mm. you need to double check. And every time we have a new client, the person knows, let's say executive assistant knows that, okay, we're onboarding a new client. All I have to do is use this particular process and then it's gonna mm-hmm. tell me what exact, what, what exact templates I have to create. So for example, they would create this client onboarding checklist and they know, okay, now they have to create this particular project. They have to create G, uh, like drive in G Suite. They have to, let's yeah. say, create a shared Slack channel, etc. So all of this becomes like, it's like a how-to, but it becomes an, yeah. an Asana tasks. Um, so this is very actionable and it's, uh, you know, for us, it works much better than written word documents. Sounds really familiar. Yeah, like I, I think okay. the process and all, all the things that need to happen behind the scenes. Yeah, I think it's pretty yeah. standard. I'm curious because w- with a lot of what we, we both do, right, it's about making the processes easier, simpler. And so how much automation mm-hmm. do you use in your processes if you're specifically talking about client onboarding? I know for us, we integrate with with HubSpot. So right off mm-hmm. the bat, like a lot of the back and forth, like onboarding emails, um, book your, your kickoff call, mm-hmm. um, here's your homework, you know, a lot of that stuff is taken care of with HubSpot automations. Do you guys have, you know, automations or rules that you use within Asana to make a lot of that work simpler? We do use a lot of Asana rules. We don't use that much the third party, let's say, uh, platforms. Mm. Uh, we tried with yeah. Zapier, some things and automations, you know, just to make things easier. But I would say that um, we don't use that much automations outside Asana. However, we use okay. all the automations within Asana, like rules, um, okay. I don't know, yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so w- with your processes, I know like a lot of what we do is obviously um, improving those processes. They never stay stagnant. Every time we go through a new project, it, it changes a little bit. We find out a way to do it better. And so would you say, like you said earlier, are you responsible for improving those processes yourself? Are you bringing the team around and getting feedback around the mm-hmm. processes? Um, and what does that, that improvement um, system really look like for, for remote? Yeah, well, it depends, you know, it depends actually. Uh, obviously, a lot of the improvements I bring on the table myself because uh, I observe the processes and how they are happening, what what can mm-hmm. be improved, what needs to be improved. But also there there's a team, you know, that they are using the processes and they are closest to them. So they also provide their insights. You know, it, you will always have to update processes because they are always changing and, you know, as the company grows, processes change too. So it's not like you build yeah. the process and that's you done for the rest of your life. You actually have to work on it. So, um, so yeah, we, well, the whole team is involved in that. And I think it's very important to make sure that you keep the people closest to the process mm, part of development of those process because they know things best. Okay. I agree. Yeah. yeah, it's always really interesting to, you know, do a retro after a project and find out, you know, what what we think as owners or as leaders, you know, what the process should look like or what we think is best. But yeah. really, it's not until we hear from our team, the one that are executing, you know, actually, that doesn't work as well as you think it does, or that takes actually way longer, right? There's a, yeah. there's a better way we can do it. So yeah, definitely believe in bringing and rallying around your people to improve on those um one question i always love to ask is and you'll know this and appreciate this from your your work with asana um is you know when it comes to all the the in between right like there's this problem 
around organizations getting lost in work about work air quotes mm-hmm. and so that could be you know trying to find out you know where that file lives um, what the status of that project is you know when's that meeting or you know where's that client and there's this all this in-between stuff that keeps us from actually delivering mm-hmm. the work the work that our clients hire us to do and so it's this problem that's sucking our time and you know t- um, taking you know valuable time away from and resources away from the things that we're actually hired to do do you mm-hmm. have that problem like w- within remote and like what does that look like for you and how do you combat that within your consultancy yeah well inside remote we don't really have that problem because it, from the very beginning you know everything was very structured i think the yeah. good part about you know us starting the business was that we had a lot of experience already with building process and we understood the importance of it from the very beginning and right. we didn't really have this problem you know the team is still small but everybody knows you know where to find information where things live because there's structure in, in drive there's structure in asana things are organized but i do understand mm-hmm. what you mean and i think this is um, this is probably one of the most common problems that a lot of companies face but yeah. that's where you know that's where I, as i say the communication is very important you know communicate upfront train your uh, train your people um, good training i think this is something that many companies str- uh, struggle with from mm-hmm. huge huge corporations to you know startups they forget that the training is important so if you train your people upfront explain them where things are placed i don't think there there's going to be this huge problem somewhere down the line, you know, that they are struggling to find something or uh, something gets missed, something gets misplaced or etc. So I think uh, good okay. training is important from the very beginning. I love that. And on that train of thought, you know, when you go into um, mm-hmm. uh, a new agency and you're talking with a new client or new prospect, what yeah. do you think is the one thing that, you know, they're not considering when it comes to process improvement, documentation? You know, what are the opportunities there? And what's one mm-hmm. thing that you always want to make sure that you communicate to them? Well, one of the first things that we always see is that there's a lot of still communication happening in on Slack, let's say, or Messenger. Mm-hmm. We even seen happening on Messenger. So I think one thing that 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 is missing is a good platform to manage the work that's happening. And, you know, in our case, that's Asana, but it can be other, other Monday.com or Trello, whatever you choose. But that's what I realized that it's still missing or they have it because it kind of became like a trend to use Asana or Monday.com. You know, there's lots of AdWords yeah. on YouTube, etc. But oh, I, yes. I still see that, yeah, they have it, but they don't use it. So that's like the biggest uh, prob- probably problem that I see. And obviously, there's a lot of management things happening too. But uh, yeah, from the systems perspective, I would say they have a platform that they don't use and they still communicate uh, and spend a lot of time on Slack. Okay. So in that, is it the underutilization of the tool that's that's the biggest problem? Mm -hmm. Or is it that shiny object syndrome where like, yeah, Monday is very in everyone's face. We see it all the time. Yeah. Right. And then are are, are they jumping from platform to platform and thus not Mm -hmm. using them? Or is it that they, that they have one and they're simply not understanding how to structure it properly? It's, I would say it's a mix. You know, the, the reason why you get Monday is probably a shiny syndrome because you see an ad and you're like, that's what I need. Because if I yeah. get it, the moment I put my credit card details, that's going to solve my problems. But in reality, you get mm-hmm. it, but you actually have to implement it. And 
to implement it, you need to know how to do it. So it's a mix, you know, so you, you're chasing the shiny object, but you're also missing the, the knowledge. And to be honest, you know, uh, this is actually what we had with the agency that the, I started with the digital marketing agency. We also mm -hmm. had Asana. We didn't know, well, it wasn't the shiny object syndrome that we got it in the first place. We were just researching and we found that Asana is probably the best one to go with at that particular moment. But yeah. we had it and we didn't know how to use it for, for quite some time, I would say, like good four or five months. And then we got uh, consultations from actually Bastian. Uh, that's okay. how I met Bastian. And, okay. uh, you know, then things became much clearer that, okay, this is actually how you have to go about it. And it just changed the, changed the daily life of the agency. Awesome. And Bastian's incredible. Yeah, it was great having him yeah. on earlier in the, in the series. Um, yeah. As we're talking about, you know, tech and software here, I just want to close it out. And I always love to ask, you know, what does your tech stack look like? We've talked about Asana. We've talked about Drive. Mm -hmm. You know, what else, you know, gets you through your day as far as productivity software goes? Okay. So Asana, Slack, yeah. Drive. The next one, uh, as I mentioned, is Marco Polo that I use for communications mm -hmm. and Loom. Well, it's kind of um, the two things that go kind of replacing each other because uh, I use Loom when I need to record the screen, but I use Marco Polo when I just need to leave a message. Uh, I usually use notes, the, like Apple notes, simple ones. Mm -hmm. uh, it's brilliant place for me to put all the, you know, the ideas that I have. Obviously, I use Asana for that too, but notes is usually for, you know, like more detailed uh, concepts. And that's, I would say, that's it. To be honest, uh, okay. if you're talking about the, um, the, like the platforms that I use, or you're talking more all, all about the setting, like desk setting too. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, just platforms. Just like, what are those okay. go-to tools that you need to kind of get through and do your work? But yeah, th I think that covered it, unless there's any others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and obviously Zoom, I forgot to mention Zoom, which is Couldn't. a place for meetings. Yeah, couldn't get away with, with without using Zoom. Yeah. Awesome. So, Erica, thanks for being on the show. Where can people connect with you? Um, if you can give us your website, do you spend time on Twitter? Are you on LinkedIn? Where are you hanging out mm -hmm. these days? Yeah, well, actually, I'm on all the platforms, I guess, at this stage. But you can okay. always uh, check our website, remote.company. You can also check uh, my profile on LinkedIn. I share a lot of content and I do that regularly. So if you want to learn more about backend operations, check Erika Zegite, difficult surname. Uh, but, you know, obviously, if you have any questions, you can just drop a message uh, under the podcast, under the episode. And also Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You'll, you'll, with this name, you'll find my, um, myself everywhere. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah, all, all of the links will be in the show notes as always. Awesome. Um, I want to thank you again, Erica, for being on the show. This is an awesome conversation. I'm looking forward to connecting again in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was nice being here. Bye. Bye for now. If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and follow on your preferred channel. If you know of a friend or colleague that would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them so that we can reach more listeners just like you. As always, all the links from today's talk will be in the show notes. And remember, if it isn't documented, it didn't happen. We'll see you next time.